welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck, best-selling author on the topic of love, personal one-on-one love and life coach. I help people to attract in the love that they want. And through this podcast, Love with Elise Peck, I bring you very inspiring, diverse love stories. We speak to people who do currently have the love that they want in their life and we learn from them. We learn from people that currently are embodying the result that so many people want. How do you get the love that you want and then how do you keep it and then how do you keep it exciting and enduring you know for decades. So how exciting exciting that today we're speaking to Jiva and Sologina Sam. So this is a couple that have been together for 39 years. Not only that they've got their parents have three married children uh, and they they're the authors of the unbreakable marriage they help people to have an unbreakable marriage they help couples that are facing breakdown and they guarantee they guarantee their process if their process does not make your marriage unbreakable um then they give you your money back they're they're that confident in their work and you know here we have a beautiful dynamic honestly like they're 39 years in you can feel the love between them you can feel the bouncing off of each other like you can feel the energy between them is is clean and a beautiful bond it's not like i guess you know that 39 year old uh the, the, the couple that's been together 40 50 70 years and everyone sits there like i don't know how they're still together they just attack each other all the time <laughs> like they'd probably be happier without each other why are they just keeping on going right like as in some people will just keep going even when um they're repeating the same stuff and not learning and growing whereas here you really feel that these people have grown in love together that they know a lot about how to actually keep a long-term relationship satisfying uh, and that that is the wisdom that those are the people that i want to learn from okay not only did you commit commitment alone brilliant skill set amazing wonderful if you're able to commit and keep going no matter how hard things get you know of course certain things you know domestic violence and stuff whatever accepted but you know uh, just with her feelings and stuff if you're able to stand back up and keep going with anything with a business with a relationship already you know you've got incredible stamina persistence um and that alone is impressive but if you're able to keep going and you're growing as you're growing as you keep on going if you're committed to growth, not just to the relationship, and the relationship is getting better and better and you're getting wiser and wiser and your level of mastery is just compounding. Like now, this is exceptional and I wanna know about it. And um, yeah, I really, I'm really excited for this couple. There's a lot of wisdom. Interestingly, there's very similar themes to not an arranged marriage, right? So they got together through an arranged marriage, but really the process, I, we, we fully unpack it. There is really, there's still success principles in there for me listening along. One of my greatest things is that people get the love that they want when they're in alignment. And as they're talking, my brain is going, ah, they were both in alignment. They were both out there creating a life for themselves. You know, neither of them were were sort of looking because that's, you don't do that when you're in an arranged marriage um, culture. You build and create your life and then one day your family decides it's time and they let you know. So there's no out there focusing. It was like, well, then all that's left to do is to build for yourself, to build your life. Uh, And they were both, you know, studying and graduating and then building um, jobs and, uh, you know, creating a life for themselves. And then their network said, all right, let's bring you two together. So there's still uh, similar themes in there of alignment and of, 
yeah, of the energy because at the end of the day, both of them could have said no. You get uh, a lot of proposals, people put in front of you. They said no, but for them to have found each other and said yes and to create this beautiful love together, it's amazing. And now they help couples uh, get amazing results with having unbreakable marriage. There's more on that at the end and some of the insights on relationships, which are really valuable. We do unpack um, a bit of a taboo subject, infidelity. Can you have an unbreakable marriage? If there's been indiscretions, if someone has felt a connection outside of the marriage, you know, what are their thoughts on that? And I think that's a hot topic um, because I think it's increasingly harder for people to have a depth of vulnerability when it's like everyone has an iPhone, everyone can record every moment, everyone can broadcast. Uh, it's a little bit scarier to be fully transparent and open with someone um, now knowing that like they could easily broadcast who you are to the whole world. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think that creates a bit of a breeding ground in a, in a little bit of a way uh, for less vulnerability and potentially more infidelity. And I love hearing the solutions and um, the mindset they bring to that particular topic. Because I personally think that's a topic that has a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people coming from an unhealed version of themselves rather than a healed version of themselves when they're speaking on that topic. There's a lot of wanting to blame and shame and just make it wrong rather than seeking to connect and understand and unpack it and and come at it with love, come at it with a perspective of if you loved both the people involved and you saw them as imperfect humans that were just trying to get their needs met what's the solution you know just trying to make people wrong is never going to help them to heal or to learn or to grow or to understand uh, and so I love the gentleness with which they approach that topic uh, yeah and I think um, it's a really they, they come from love on it and I think a lot of society comes from I mean I, we've just seen what happened with the Maroon 5 um, guy that it's come out that he's been cheating on his you know Victoria's Secret supermodel and like the whole world now just hates him and it's a bit like hang on you know let let's remember that there were two humans involved and you know is is that the full story that this guy is just terrible or were there some relationship needs that that could have been solved within the relationship had they gone together and, and looked at it and shown up differently? Uh, is there some wisdom and some opportunity to, for them to understand how to build a greater connection that looks at the responsibility of both people and the connection that they were creating? Can Do we just always just make someone wrong? And do a lot of people just make someone wrong because they're scared of being on the receiving end? So to deal with their own fear, they have to demonize something uh, instead of try to understand it. Anyway. I digress, but I'm excited that we got to touch on a lot of subjects. I'm really excited for this um, interview. So please enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck. And today I have Jeeva and Sologina Sam, who are co-authors of The Unbreakable Marriage. In this book, they share details of the mentorship process they have been using to guarantee breakthrough for couples facing breakdown in as little as 10 weeks. They recently celebrated the 39th anniversary of their arranged marriage. The Sams live in the Niagara region of Canada. They are parents of three married children. So this is going to be fascinating and so interesting to unpack and I can't believe that I've already got my dog scratching at the door, which is probably a very disruptive way to start. I'm sorry if anyone can hear that. Um, I should, often can't decide if she wants to come in or out, but I will uh, open that up in a minute. Uh, but firstly, I want to say welcome, Jeeva and Sologina Sam. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. yeah, good to be with you. Yeah. And your Thank audience. You. Yeah. I love it. So not only have you had your own 39-year marriage, uh, but your children are also, it seems, successful in relationship too. And now you're also helping lots of people um through what you've learned, I'm guessing, along the way. Is that a correct summary of the situation? Well, absolutely. You know, you learn a lot from uh from experience, mm-hmm. you know, being together. Uh, and of course, I, I was a pastor for 35 years. And so in the course of uh, serving in that capacity, you know, you do run into couples, you know, who need help with their marriages. There's a lot of, you know, marriage preparation work with couples. That was my, uh, you know, probably biggest chunk of uh, involvement in marriages. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're not formally trained uh, counselors or therapists, uh, but the benefit of our experience and some of the expertise and, you know, uh, to be very upfront, we learned a lot from others along the way. Mm-hmm. And so so it's, it's just a matter of everything kind of coming together uh, in a way that we we're able to offer this mentorship. I love that. And I love that mindset because that's partly why I have this podcast is I think it's becoming a little more rare for people to have in their life blueprints or examples around them of people that mm-hmm. are making long-term relationships work. I think there's a lot more... Um, delayed gratification, quitting, expecting things to be fast and easy, um, mm. that it's becoming like less and less common for us to be around people that have long-term successful relationships, which is partly why I'm bringing on voices. So that there's a platform of people to listen to the wisdom of people that have this result. So usually my first question is, what was your mindset before you met your partner? Were you looking for love? And I'm guessing it's a little bit different with an arranged marriage. Like, <laughs> were you doing this pre-marriage preparation? Was it very intentional? Uh, I, I would love to hear about like the lead up to being in an arranged marriage. No, we didn't have any preparation. Um, yeah, we didn't know each other. Um, we, we met for uh, 15 minutes. Uh, that that's how much we were allowed to talk, and uh, you, you know the in arranged marriage, this um, the parents uh, kind of make the decision, and then they they check with us. Uh, in in our case, they do check with us and uh, ask our opinion, and then they allow us to talk, uh, not very long, and then uh, you know um, they they check things out. You know uh, here they do it uh, through dating and things like that. There they uh, check out the you know the the spouse um, through relatives, friends, teachers, and you know make sure the character whatever they are looking for is yeah. is there. And then you know the yeah that's yeah the, the whole concept of marriage in the Indian tradition, which is where we come from, uh, is very different. Uh, marriage is not just the coming together of two individuals; it's really the coming together of two families. Mm. And so so that's where the parents take a very active role because they want to make sure that their children are married to someone that they believe, you know, will, will be a good match for them. Uh, and we come from the Christian tradition. So our match did not rely on, you know, uh, horoscopes and astrological charts and so on, uh, which are, you know, very significant for people of other faiths in India. And so, but essentially the, the idea is always the same parents looking out for the best interests of mm-hmm. their children. Yeah. Uh, and and really, when, and when that happens, uh, one of the reasons, I mean, we grew up in that. And so when you asked about, uh, like, what was our mindset preparing for marriage? Well, it was, it's just that we had examples, mm. like virtually everybody that we knew, That's right. uh, you know, was part of an arranged marriage. And so we saw that model work very well. 
Uh, there was a lot of, that was learned by osmosis, you know, rather than anything else. Uh, and if you want to uh, pick a very specific mindset, the mindset is that we are committing to each other for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our parents used to love to say there is no word such as divorce in our dictionary. And so you go in with the mindset that, yes, you know, sure, I don't know this person, but I will get to know them. And together we will make a life together and we will make things work no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. The, the commitment, you know, the commitment with which you, you um, walk into marriage is very important. And, you know, uh, of course, the first few years are going to be um, a learning experience because you don't have any, you know, uh, premarital sessions that you go through. Um, or so, the dating process where you get to know exactly, each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is a learning process. So, you know, you you do get to know each other. Um, you know, there are challenges, of course. And uh, but you work it out, you know, you work it out and and you you know, uh, this is a, you know, long term commitment. So lifelong, lifelong. So you work it out. (laughs) I'm so curious if you like for me, what's coming up for me is, oh, it feels like that is such a long commitment to make. Have you ever seen examples around you where arranged marriage like you felt sorry for both the people that they were trapped it was not working out well and like here that like have you ever been like oh I kind of wish they could have a way out like there is some wisdom in that have you ever seen arranged marriage go wrong and I guess did that weigh on you beforehand thinking gosh I hope like you just say you get arranged marriage with someone who you're trying so hard and they're just like well I know you're with me for life so like I'll just bring my worst so I, I guess I've got, I'd be terrified. Like, oh my gosh, what if I'm stuck with someone who I have to give hundred percent and they're just like, they don't, they, they don't treat me well. Yeah. I'm wondering mm. if that played in. Well, you know, the, the thing is that that is reality, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like even within arranged marriages, uh, like not, there's no hundred percent rate of success. Right. It used to be 98% when we were growing up. I think that number has since dropped, you know, over the years, we, we hear more and more about uh, like our, um, even within our families or friendship circles, uh, couples getting divorced, you know, after a few years of marriage. Uh, and by the way, they were not all arranged marriages either. The most recent one we heard was where they chose each other and still, you know, ended up in divorce. Um, but that was like very rare in those days. And, and you know, and of course, you're aware of marriages where uh, it's not that they were not a good match. But uh, again, part of it is, I, I think what you said was actually a very good way to describe some of the marriages where one person was not willing to really like pull their load, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and to, to, to make it work. It's like, well, that's the way I am, you know, take it or leave it. Well, you're not going to leave it because you have to take it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is a possibility, uh, but that's not the way it is with most of them, you know? And so, so really that was not a concern, mm-hmm. at least not for me going in. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, there are cases, you know, where, where there's abuse, you know, there the can be even physical abuse, then you do feel for them, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, you, you kind of feel helpless. Uh, but uh, otherwise, you know, most of the challenges, I would say you can really work it out. If both of them put their heart into it and are willing, you know, uh, to put in the effort, mm-hmm. you can, you know, work it out, I yeah. would say. And, and again, yeah. because the families uh, you yeah, know, have they, a vested interest in seeing their children's marriage succeed, uh, families can get involved without being intrusive. 
you know, so so families can you know talk to each other, not necessarily to the to the couple and say, hey, our kids are having some difficulties. How can we help them work it out? You know, how can you do your part with with your child? How can I do my part with my child? Uh, so there's a, a larger support network, uh, you know, in the family system mm. that is built in. Uh, but on the other hand, I've also, you know, heard, uh, you know, some, sometimes the family will say, no, 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 like this is this is it. You know, we did all our due diligence. We found this person for you and you find a way to make it work. We're not going to come and rescue you. So that <laughs> attitude is also there, mm. like, sadly. Uh, however, for the most part, I think what, what Slojan has said, like that's the attitude is... Uh, you know, like we made a commitment for life that we went into this with our eyes wide open uh, that and we, we were willing to trust our parents' uh, choice. And again, we make it very clear that a parents choose, but you're not forced to accept that choice. Mm. For example, when Sloja and I met, if either of us had some reservations about the other person and we told our parents, you know, I don't really feel good about this. We call it connection in India. <laughs> and then, then the parents would have backed off and, and, and taken our... Uh, our our mm -hmm. uh, you know opinion our uh, yeah. you know feelings to the consideration yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit like forgive me if this is a wrong analogy but is it a little bit like choosing the right school for your kid you get to know who the kid is you get to know what their strengths weaknesses what lights them up and then you're looking for something that's a compatible fit is it sort of like they your parent you have to you have to really hope that your parents really get to know who you are so that they're going to know because some people are like very dominant personalities and they do well with this kind of a calming personality and if you put two um do you is there a real art to the parent knowing their child and then finding it or is it just luck of the draw some parents are good at that some aren't <laughs> no no that's so true you know the the parents know uh, know the child you know you know your children very well so they know um what kind of family you know and um the there are people who work as go-between or brokers, marriage brokers. They are the ones that brought our families together. And uh, usually the, the the parents, you know, give a list of things they are looking for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, uh, you know, the one, somebody with a good character and, you know, Christian family. Because in India, there are Hindus and Muslims and then no smoking, no drinking. Uh, those and they kind of try and match them up. Yeah. That and day. even even with the at education level. Yeah, that's right. You know, so so both of us, you know, had college degrees and master's degrees, and so so those kind of things are are, are considerations. Mm -hmm. And and very seldom will you find marriages happening between somebody in a very uh, like a high socioeconomic background with someone that is many levels lower, mm -hmm. because you know parents know that mm -hmm. you know this is what the children are used to. Uh, like that'll be too much of a stretch sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah. for them to bridge the gap, uh, and so uh, so those kind of things are taken into consideration, you know, by the families. The personality is becoming more of a factor now, mm -hmm. uh, because I'll, I'll tell you what's happening now. The way the matchmaking works, uh, rather than just working through a broker, there's a lot of stuff that happens online. So there are online sites set up, you know, mm -hmm. where and, and and the funny thing was. And, and I always thought those sites were where the where the kids, you know, went to look for each other's partner. Uh, but then <laughs> I was talking to one of my cousins uh, a few years back, and she said she actually has been going on those sites looking for, you know, good, like suitable yes. part matches for her children. And so she does the homework. She does the vetting. And then she says, hey, here are, you know, to her daughter, here are three guys that I think will be a good match for you. 
you know, why don't you check them out? And so then, then the, of course, with social media now, you know, the, the daughter can go and check their profile. And, and if she wants to initiate a conversation with any of them, like it's done in a very safe way, you know, where they don't have to meet like we did. Uh, you know, you can do this online and you can find out, you know, like, you know, if you if you have mutual interests and, and also it's a good opportunity to find out the personality of the person, you know, how they respond in certain circumstances. And so, so the decision that the children make today, uh, you know, it has a lot more factors, you know, going into it. Whereas in our day, uh, that, that was, that was not a big deal. But yeah, but yeah, parents do, you know, look out uh, for similar families. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Similar personality as your children. Yeah. Mm. I love it. So it's like nowadays with technology, it's easier to find more options because you can mm. just go online and have a look. And so it's kind of changing it all a little bit. I would love to know then what your first impressions were of each other in that first 15 minutes. <laughs> I'd love to know what was going through each of your minds. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought um, Jiva was, uh, you know, he was joking a little bit. He was a little humorous. So I like that uh, part about him. And of of course, the good looks, you know, <laughs> and both, yeah, he both, seemed very uh, friendly. I just want to say for anyone listening, they're both very beautiful. Like you're very kind of striking. <laughs> you have, you've Thank been you. Screen. But yes, yes. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know he was, um, and uh, of course the uh, Christian, you know, uh, was Christianity was important for me, the the spiritual part. So yeah, mm. so that was my first yeah. impression. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I felt very good about her, you know, when I first saw her, you know, as a person, and um, uh, and my, uh, and it's kind of strange for me to say this right now, because one of my big concerns, which actually consumed a good chunk of the conversation was how well would she adapt to life in Canada? Mm -hmm. Because life in Canada is very different from life in India. And and so so I was actually giving her a little bit of a reality check of what <laughs> <laughs> of how harsh life would be in Canada. So so you should give a little background of um you know uh, to at least um because Jeeva was in Canada already. Yeah I've been here for seven years. Seven years yeah. when he came back to get married. And our marriage was uh, like wedding was arranged within six weeks. Uh, oh, very month. short time. Very short yeah, time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he was running out of holidays, so everything had to be done fast. Um, yeah. So he he told me a little bit about Canada. You know how how cold and they you know when when uh, in India when it rained everybody you know started uh, wearing a sweater. So. <laughs> So he almost like almost like trying to scare you, like scare you off a little bit. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. Can you handle this? Can you handle it? Yeah, yeah really, you know. And uh, uh, I think one of the big concerns she has was coming on as a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how could she handle that? Um, but but really, for me, I, I just you know wanted to have the right expectations about uh, coming to Canada because, like, one of the realities in India is that you get a, at that time anyway. You, you could get domestic help, mm, you know, to true. do a lot of the housework and so on. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, here, as you know, and Australia is the same, you know, you know, if you don't do it, uh, you know, unless, unless, you know, you want to pay some big bucks, yeah. uh, labor is, you know, much more expensive. Uh, so I just had to kind of let her know that, uh, you know, like nobody will be waiting on her, uh, that that we'd have to you know, do the household chores mm -hmm. together and so on. Yeah. And yeah. she asked me if I knew how to cook. You know, that was one of the questions. <laughs> 
and <laughs> and I didn't know how to cook very much. I knew a little bit, so she I lied to me. I, and I told him, "Yes, I know." <laughs> so I started writing recipes, you know, after we were married. <laughs> well, well, you got a good reason to say that because she knew that it'd be a few months before I could get her visa and bring her over. So she thought in that period, yeah, that's you know, right. I learned how to cook. Yeah, and it's so like right now. Sorry, it's like that classic success mindset. Say yes and figure it out later. You know, <laughs> I think often exactly. said that. It's like just say yes and then and, and figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, I will in three months' time know how to cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when she landed in Canada, among her prized possessions was a recipe book that thick uh, with all these handwritten recipes that uh, that she that she she took out. And of course, I just had to teach her how to cook with Canadian you know, yeah, uh, cooking appliances. appliances and utensils and so on. So once you got the hang of it, uh, those recipes came in handy. And I'm sure she practiced on me with a few of them. <laughs> yeah. I love it. How did you both, How? why was it the right time for you both? Like, how did you both, so uh, it sounds like, um, Sologina, did I say that right? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like um, you were, Oh, hang on. Who, which which name belongs to? Who am I speaking to? Sorry, which is which? I'm, I'm Jiva, and that's what. Jiva, Jiva, you were in Canada, and you knew it was the right time because um, it was the holidays, and you had six weeks, and so that's that's why it was the right time for you. Is that right? Um, so, Lajina, how what how did you come to be available? How was this the right time for you? If mm -hmm. if you could have an arranged marriage at sort of any point. How did you come to be in the position at this point that this was the timing for you? Is there an age yeah. reach or is there a milestone? Like you graduate college. Um, what? How was yeah. this timing? Uh, yeah, even that yeah, it's the parents who uh, make that decision too. Yeah, I finished uh, university and then my dad said, uh, and my brother, I have a brother too. So my brother is older than me. Um, so they both decided, you know, it's time for her to get married. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, so then they started looking and, you know, they talked to me too. So I, I was ready, you know, by that time I was 25. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So they so. get a feeling, they, they look at you and they're like, and they get a feeling and you never know when that's going to happen. You just got to live your life. And at some point your family will decide, I think yeah. you're ready. So I guess what I'm trying to, I have a thought that people get the love that they want. They attract in the love that they want when they're sort of in flow and in alignment and doing things that have creating a life that they love themselves. And I'm wondering, um, Sologina, were you, uh, were you, was your life, were you living a fulfilling life for you? Like, do you think there was any, um, anything that really made your brother or whoever else look and go, yes, she's ready. What, where were you at at the time that they made that decision in your life? You know, I, yeah, I, I also finished my teacher's degree, you know, just before that. So I was kind of uh, looking uh, for work. You know, I, I thought, you know, I'll work for a few years because my dad had put out, you know, there you have to put out money for university. Um, the, in those days, there were no loans, nothing. So I thought I'll wait, work a few years, a year or two and, you know, pay him back. Um, that was my mindset. But when they said, you know, um, time to get married, you know, I, I thought, okay, you know, maybe the it's the God's timing. We we believe, you know, it's God's timing too, uh, because of our faith. So I I thought that's fine, you know, if uh, if I have to work, uh, if it doesn't work out, I'll I'll work. 
Um, so you kind of go with the flow. Um, but if things work out and come together, then, you know, uh, you go with the flow again. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. Yeah. And there's a certain expectation with age as well. That's true. You know, like, like in India, in those days, uh, pretty well, like, like in some families, once a girl completed high school, uh, you know, so she'd be in her late teens, like 17, 18. At that time, you know, they say, okay, she's had enough education. Mm. Uh, now, now, you know, we can, we can start looking for a suitable uh, husband for her. Uh, and then, like, I think by the time we got married, that age had jumped up a little bit, uh -huh. uh, finishing college. So maybe early 20s. You know, was kind yeah. of considered to be the norm in those days. Yeah, I, I was considered a little older, you know, to <laughs> in those days to get married um, because I had an older sister, too. So they were trying to marry her off and uh, she was uh, in a different country and it wasn't working out. And I think my brother thought, you know, you don't want to wait too long. Uh, maybe we'll start looking for her and for me. And um, yeah. Because so, if you're an old maid, it'll be even more difficult to find connections yeah. for you. <laughs> and were you, was that worrying you? Were you thinking, oh my gosh, I, were you longing to get married? Were you hoping it was hoping it was going to happen? Or were you like happy to be going out and creating a career and um, going to work? You know, part, yeah. Partly I was getting a little worried too because some of my classmates, some of them were getting married. Um, you know, they were like uh, 23, uh, 22 some of them were getting married already. So I was getting a little concerned, but still, you know, I thought I can wait till my sister is married, but I didn't want to wait too long. Uh, then, you know, in India, yeah, after a certain age, like Jeeva said, they they think, oh, she's too old, you know, too old to get married mm -hmm. uh, to our children or some, my son. Um, yeah, so yeah, I understand. Yeah, and I think part of it is uh, in terms of the timing is just also trusting your parents mm. you know when when they know you know when is the right time for you yeah you know to to get settled uh and so so quite often the parents will initiate like like when we went to india to be honest with you on the six-week holiday we didn't go with, with, with the intent of me getting married mm -hmm. uh, even though my dad was putting out some feelers you know ahead of time uh in those days you know you couldn't just you know communicate by email and so on and so he had sent a letter off to this uh, friend who was a broker. Uh, but that was not the main purpose of the trip. It was more of, you know, if a good match comes along, uh, then, you know, then we then we do it. Uh, otherwise, you know, if it doesn't happen, no big deal. You know, he's only, tw he's still, he's only 25, which actually oh, in those days guys, that's was right. considered to be on the younger side. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was no pressure. And same thing with me. Like, I didn't put any pressure on myself. You know, if it happens, it happens. Oh, your parents. Yeah, yeah or my parents didn't, didn't put any pressure. And then when we got there, then this broker came and said, you know, I think I have a, a match for you uh, that you should should meet. And uh, so the families actually connected first. That's right. Yeah. And then when they were satisfied that uh, that this would be a good match. So so I think in a way in, in India, I don't think anybody really gets stressed out about marriage unless you are like getting a little bit older in age, especially for a, for a female. Uh, but but that kind of stigma is not there anymore quite as much as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so because of today, one of the things that's also happening in India is, which is uh, not always common in other countries, is that there are a lot of women in the workforce mm. compared to what it used to be. And women are working, you know, high tech jobs. You know, women are earning as much as their husbands or even more mm -hmm. in some cases. And so and more going to universities. Yeah. And, yeah. and so many women, you know, want to build a career. Mm 
you know, to a certain, you know, uh, place right. uh, before, or to a certain level rather, you know, before they even want to settle down. So even if the parents may bring that up, because I've seen this happen in some of the extended family, you know, where the parents, you know, badly want to get their children to get married, uh, but children are saying, no, no, I'm not in a big hurry. Uh, like I got, I got to get this done. I got to get my first promotion at work, and so on. Then I'll feel more comfortable. And and so so that that age by itself is not a not that much of a factor anymore. Uh, but generally speaking, marriages tend to happen without pressure in India. Mm-hmm. You know, simply because you just trust the timing. You know, of your parents. Yeah, that's right. uh, And you trust God's timing in bringing you together. And you know, and so uh, so generally, yeah, there's a sense of peace about it all. Amazing. So how did you both know then after you, you get a chance to meet and then you get a chance to say yes or no, um, what made you both say yes? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, in my case, I, I actually didn't say yes right away, uh, even though that was expected of me. You know, it's almost like the parents, uh, especially from her side of the family, it's like, you know, they came back. We talked for a while, my parents and I. And the broker and they came back and said, "Well, what's the decision?" And, and at that point, uh, I—it's I, not that I felt anything, any check in my spirit, but maybe it's because I was already used to life in Canada for a while. I just felt like you know I need to just sit on this decision, you know, maybe pray, you know. And I, I had peace, but not enough to say yes at that time and at that moment. Uh, and so you know, like once we came back to our house and. Uh, I think a day or two two days later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think. yeah. We, we we sent word that uh, it's a go, and so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my case, um, my my dad, uh, you know, he, we had other we call them proposals. Other men that came to, um, uh, yeah, the, and my dad checked it out. You know, my dad was very very fussy, very picky, and now I can see, you know, when you're looking for a uh, for a bride or a groom for your child. You know, you you become picky. So he didn't like most of them that came along, and he would find some kind of <laughs> something. And and when he uh, thought this was a good match, good uh, family, uh, then I thought, okay, you know, uh, I think you know that's happy. So he see he's seeing something from a different, you know, different uh, like more you know more matured way. So I I feel more comfortable too yeah. but uh yeah yeah plus he has two younger sisters i found this out afterwards <laughs> <laughs> so so they they could not be part of the conversation but you know the way houses are set up there they were they pretty well knew exactly what was going on and so when she went back what did they tell you yeah they said uh, this is a good match i i can't remember that exactly. they said uh, like don't let don't this let one this, get away yeah that's right don't let this go <laughs> so, Hope dad doesn't find any fault with this one. <laughs> uh, don't let this go. This looks like, you know, he's good looking. He's, uh, yeah, it sounds, you know, like a good family, funny. So, yeah. <laughs> what strikes me the most out of this whole thing is a level of trust that you have um, for your parents with yes. judgment. And I'm wondering, uh, and this might be a good segue to, to make sure we tap into a bit of your relationship wisdom. I wonder if you've got any insights as to how these parents are fostering such trust from their children and with it, like how you genuinely trust your parents so much uh, and how people create that in relationships. Cause not everyone would trust their parents' judgment. Mm-hmm. No. But you both yeah. like, your, your dad approves. Oh, I trust my dad. Like how have they created that culture of trust? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I think there's a, there's a certain element uh, that is purely cultural because that is the norm, mm-hmm. right. you know, in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and you know, like we're talking in the context of marriage, uh, but uh, I remember, uh, you know, in those days where children would trust their parents' uh, advice as to what career they should pursue. Mm-hmm. You know, so like a father would come to the son and say, you know, son, I think you need to pursue engineering or you need to go into medicine, you know, because they know their child, what they're capable of, what their aptitudes are, and so on. And so, so, so in other words, uh, with many of life's choices, you know, like you just learn to trust. And part of it is respect for the elders, yeah. you know, part of it yeah. is appreciation of the wisdom, you know, of the ages. And, and then, of course, you know, you like a lot of this is modeled for you. So when you see your parents, you know, made choices based on the counsel that they got from their parents, you know, and how well it turned out for them, uh, you know, then, then yeah, the, the trust is there, you know, right from the get-go in a certain sense that when it comes to important decisions, uh, like don't make it on your own, you know, like, mm-hmm. like trust the wisdom of your parents uh, because they, they know what is best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... The family unit is uh, so strong in India. You know, there's so so much um, unity and uh, respect. Like Jiva said, even from a young age, you're, mm-hmm. you're taught to respect uh, somebody older than you, um, your parents. Uh, and, you and know, other here, elders. Other elders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You call call them even the ones that you don't know, auntie and uncle, you know, because you're showing respect to them. Um, and also, you know, you, you never talk back, you know, to your parents. Um, so, um, yeah, so in, in some ways, it's the culture, you know, how uh, some, sometimes it can go to an extreme where, you know, parents get a little bit too controlling. That's not good either. So, so you know, the mutual, the respect, um, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing to have. And also, I was going to say, um, you know, here after, uh, you know, in their teens, you know, the, the children want to leave home and uh, go and, you know, uh, live on their own. Uh, they, you know, like I, I stayed with my parents till I was married. And even yeah, in even my brother, uh, the boys too, you know, the my brother, you know, he was um, living in Malaysia. So because he, you know, wanted to work there. So he, he left. Uh, but in most cases, um, even the mm-hmm. the sons the stay with the parents and yeah, yeah. so there is a yeah the few family unit yeah it kind of yeah. A, mm-hmm. yeah. and you grow up in, a, in an atmosphere where you feel secure mm. you know so like I, I wouldn't always say that all parents um, you know uh, like raise their children uh, in what we might classify today as a loving way uh, because like most of the time you know like our parenting, uh, skills and and practices are a reflection of what we receive from our parents mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, so both, like in, in our case both of our parents like raised us very differently mm. you know i would say that slowness you know dad particularly was quite a bit stricter oh yeah uh, than, strict. than my parents were uh but but didn't matter you know you knew that they loved you you know they wanted the best for you and and they the the atmosphere in the home uh, was something where you always felt safe and secure. And so out of that, and, and that's one of the things, you know, like parents really try hard to create for their children, uh, even though they may go about it doing very different in very different ways. Like an Indian uh, father and mother, like like us, for example, raising our children in Canada, 
you know, we provided that sense of security for our children in very different ways mm -hmm. uh, than we would have living in India, simply because, you know, we learned some things along the way, you know, about children need to feel loved, you know, they, they need to, you know, like see their parents, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like, like having a, a good relationship and having cutting up with each other and mm -hmm. even, you know, showing affection to each other and so on, because that builds up security. So, so we did it in a very different way mm -hmm. for our children. Um, but essentially, it was this whole feeling of uh, safety and security. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So something that's coming up as a massive curiosity for me is, um, have you heard of someone called Dr. Shafali? She does conscious parenting. No. So she basically, um, you know, grew up in India, broke away, came to America, became a clinical psychologist. And from what I understand, is completely estranged from her family in India and is now like a thought leader that comes out. And her whole message is that, um, like, that the, the blind trust of parents is a loss of the self, that you lose the ability to know who you are and you know how to make your decisions and you know how to figure out your own career and that um, it's a conditioning that, that makes you ultimately lose yourself. And sometimes I wonder if she's someone that went very avoidant attached and and doesn't didn't didn't make the connection with their parents or if there is some mm. it's an extreme view and i can't figure out where the balance is but i mm. wonder what your view is of someone of like for you that sounds like it, it that level of the parents deciding gave you security and you could relax but for mm. someone else she's coming out and saying well i didn't get to know myself i lost myself i lived my life mm. with my parents what are your thoughts on, on that and and having had children yourself like what what did what do you think um, is the nicest is, is the best thing for the children to be making the decisions and letting them follow your lead or giving them some autonomy? Like, what are your thoughts having experienced mm -hmm. kind of both cultures? One that's very uh, family connected oriented and one that's quite independent. More in Canada, more about the the individual. Well, I, I think the scenario that she describes uh, is is very possible. Yeah, you know, if you grew up in a family that you know where the leadership was very autocratic and controlling, and controlling, yeah. where like for like I was telling you earlier about the choices of education, uh, like I also know of cases where the children have no choice, mm. like you know, like thou shalt go to engineering school <laughs> whether thou wantest or not, you know, so so that kind of attitude can be there, uh, you know, where parents say because we know the best what is best for you. Mm -hmm. uh, However, uh, yeah, and, and if if that kind of atmosphere continues, uh, then yeah, sure, the children and the children can put, be put in a place where you know you want to please your parents at all costs. Mm -hmm. And even what Slodina said about the respect for the elders, well, I can't respect disrespect my parents, so I got to do what they tell me to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that attitude can be there, and some parents can enforce that and reinforce that. Uh, however, uh, like. Let's talk about how you know, like our parenting style was was, was yeah different. yeah. Uh, I think it's good to find a middle ground, right? I know it's not always easy. You know, um, when I came here and uh, uh, bringing up our children, I still remember, especially our daughter. She she's the oldest. I was very strict with her, just like my dad was. You know, that's how you learn. And you know, I started being too protective, uh, very strict. And, and she, she knew, and uh, during her teen years, 
Oh yeah, she drove me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was difficult. And you know, um, after having the second and third, the other two are boys. Um, then, uh, you know, as I matured, I realized, you know, uh, this is not the complete right way. And, uh, and she, you know, it also depends on the personality of the child. Mm -hmm. And uh, our daughter, she's a very strong personality. And, you know, uh, so I kind of learned it the hard way. Uh, I, I felt like, you know, it's uh, good to let her make the decision. Let her, you know, figure out what she wants, you know, her interests. And that's how, you know, mm. uh, so um, she taught me lots of things. And mm. yeah, I had to actually a few years ago, I had to apologize to her some of the ways I was, you know, too strict to her. And uh, so, yeah, the being too strict is not very good mm -hmm. either. And like I said, I think it, a lot of it is um, depending on the child. Um, some children need more guidance, more direction uh, than the others that are strong, they know what they want, then you just let them grow, go and let them fly, yeah. you know, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things we focused on as parents is we really wanted to make sure that the children, uh, you know, learned our values, yes, uh, the morals, and, and not by like sitting down and teaching them, but really a lot of it is just by, you know, being part of this family, mm -hmm. that these are Sam family values, even though we never wrote it down as such, but these are the things that, you know, we live by. And so, so to us, that was way more important than anything else. And to cultivate the faith in them, uh, you know, to, to kind of pass the torch in terms mm. of our faith and, and give them that like, like a, as firm a foundation as possible uh, that they could build on in whatever way they chose to. Mm. You know, so all three of our children, uh, you know, took different paths. Uh, like our daughter uh, started out, uh, her dream was to be a broadcaster. A journalist and uh, investigative journalism and so you know we just you know made it possible for her to go to school and along the way she caught the bug to go and teach English in Korea as a second language and what was supposed to be for a year turned out to be a six-year stint <laughs> and but we were totally supportive of her you know it's like so whenever you're ready to come we're here for you and then you know after that break she came and pursued her dream you know became the national news anchor for a show in Canada and and so so she did you know live out her dream and then she decided to make a transition into a different career which is where she is right now and so we've just been supportive of her you know mm -hmm. every step of the way yeah and our middle son took a little bit longer to find his niche mm -hmm. you know and so but he went through a transition and all the time you know we let the kids know that no matter like what you choose to do we're here for here for you and at a certain point when they needed some help with education you know like travel whatever like, you know, we, we did what we could, you know, to, to provide for them. Uh, and so, so, so they, yeah, like, I think we gave them roots and then allowed them to have wings, Yeah, you know, and fly wherever they, however they choose to soar. Mm -hmm. And they're all three uh, doing well. So yeah, very grounded, God. all three of them very grounded, so yeah. very connected to family. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get together, like, it's always a blast. <laughs> and they mercilessly tease each other. <laughs> and, they and, get and that up. brings us joy. Yeah. yeah, this is so beautiful. And uh, when you're talking about family values, it's interesting. I had a, have you, have you heard of like attachment styles and using your an attachment to create secure attachment? Have you heard of this concept? A In little the, bit. I'm not totally familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, there's a concept that for us to feel secure in relationships, um, we need to know how to create secure attachment. And I had an attachment specialist on, it's like a psychological viewpoint. 
And I ended up doing his attachment boot camp. And one of the greatest things he said to create stability is to have principles and to live by them. And if people people come to count on Elise, she is always, you know, courageous or she was always honest or like to have some values and to be committed to them. And so as you were talking, but he calls them principles and that that actually helps people feel connected to you is when they see that you have a, a set mm. level of principles and you consistently live yeah. by them people feel secure and they can connect and feel safe with you yeah. so it's interesting that you're saying that you have values as a family and you role yeah. model them you lived by these values and that was the most important thing because that ties into his concept of secure attachment oh. and you have you know and you have this this culture of security uh, mm. and everyone knows the values everyone knows the culture and it's guarded it's like there's a containment like this is yeah. um the culture so i think that's really good thing also really beautiful that you let your children know Basically, like, I love you no matter what. That's something I try to say to my children. I love you no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. So that they feel like no matter what, they can return to the secure base. That they won't. It's an unconditional sort of, um, there's guidance. But at the end of the day, no matter what, there's love. Um, So I know we've kind of, we've we've used a lot up pretty much almost all of our time. But I do want to uh, quickly ask two more questions. One is, what are some of your tips to an unbreakable marriage? And the other is, how can people find out more about the work that you do um, to get in connection yeah. with the work that you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we, we operate on, again, on some fundamental principles uh, in our marriage mentorship that really, you know, in some way sets us apart from uh, from a lot of other, you know, processes uh, that are that are available to people. And one of the things that we value is what we call the spirit-soul-body connection. Um, and so we're created as spirit beings with a soul in a body. Like that's our basic you know, premise. And so, so one of the things that I found out when I, this is from my pastoring days, is when somebody came to me with a problem you know, in their marriage, with a communication, conflict resolution, sexual dysfunction, no matter what it was, uh, if I just gave them some tips on how to work through it, you know, give them a pattern for conflict resolution or teach them a few communication skills, uh, you know, and how to treat each other nicely so their sexual life would improve. Well, they would do it for a while and they would get results. But then, you know, usually about 90 days later, they would come back and say, sorry, we're still fighting. Things have, you know, gone back and they're actually worse than before. And so that's when I began to realize that there's something deeper that needs to change, mm-hmm. you know, before it can manifest itself externally. And, and of course, you know, what we uh, term the soul is a combination of your mind, will, and emotions. And so that's where, you know, psychology, counseling, you know, all those things come in mindset, everything comes in. Uh, but even uh, beyond that, uh, you know, we, we found that the, the spiritual connection that you have, you know, with God, with each other, the spirit connection, if that is not strong, then at some stage, things will fall apart. And so in our marriage mentorship, we focus on helping couples develop that connection on their own, you know, with God and with each other. And that becomes a very strong foundation. So no matter what happens in the other realms, there's something that you can always come back to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so so that's something that we we stress. As a matter of fact, one of our, our, our mantras uh, is that there are no such things as marriage problems. There are two individuals with their own problems coupled together in a marriage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And together they will give birth to marriage problems. Yeah. <laughs> and and so until you uh you you uh, like the thing is we all bring 
our own hurts, mm -hmm. our experiences, our baggage, our parents <laughs> into our marriage. <laughs> and so we need to provide an opportunity for us to get healed of those hurts. That's right. Because That's when we relate to each other from a place of hurt, we will end up hurting each other. Mm -hmm. But when we relate to each other from a place of healing, we will actually help each other heal. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why um, everybody's upbringing is very different. Uh, some people, um, as a child, you know, you would have gone through trauma or abuse. Um, we, we hear so many stories, you know, and if those things are not healed and not taken care of, uh, then, you know, they're going to affect the way you relate to your spouse. So we, uh, that's one of the big thing we put our, uh, um, you know, couples through is um, we call it as inner healing. So we send them to train, you know, uh, couples or individuals uh, who are trained in that area and they go individually and they, you know, uh, go through pr prayers and lots of forgiveness kind of thing to get those things healed and taken care of. Uh, and then once they do those things, you know, they become totally different, uh, different people, mm -hmm. you know, so, so peaceful. And then they can, you know, um, be more, uh, I don't know, they relate to each other more, better, the the love becomes stronger, the the walls, you know, come down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, a, you yeah. know, and, and there are times when the wounds are so deep, that we know, like, it's out of our, our league. We're, like, we're out of a league and trying to help them. So we, so we have no problem sending them to a qualified therapist, psychotherapist and say, go get the help that you need mm -hmm. uh, because your wounds are like way, way, run way, way deep. And, and so, because, but it's all about, you know, making sure that they're, they're getting to that place of, of healing. Uh, yeah. Because once we get them to that place of healing, then when we teach them mm -hmm. good right. communication patterns, how to resolve conflict, you know, how to handle finances, you know, how to make sure you have time for each other, how to set boundaries, all these things, you know, you can build on this, but if you don't take care of this and you just go with that, at some stage, this stuff will crop up yeah. and it will mess up all the good work that you did. Uh, so so that's a fundamental premise, you know, of, of what we do, uh, you know, it, to really make the marriage unbreakable. And that's really what makes the marriage uh, unbreakable. So well, the second part of the question is, uh, where can we... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, did you have a follow-up question there, really? Oh, oh sorry. I, I guess a question that's coming up for me... Um, is like basically something that I see is that very often one of the things that can break a marriage is when people are feeling um, attraction outside of the marriage. They're feeling like, you know, mm. um, how do you tackle that? How do you help people not break up the marriage when each of their paths are kind of taking them there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I'll just go back to just what I, what I said a while ago. When you strengthen the spirit connection between the husband and the wife, yeah, you know, uh, then there's no need to look elsewhere. Uh, yes, so, no so you have the belief that if the connection is strong enough, so I've heard yeah. this concept: if the connection is strong enough, um, there won't be any interest. So if there is interest, there's something wrong with the connection. Is that the concept? Uh, absolutely, and so, mm -hmm. like I'll give you like one of the simple things that we ask couples to do is actually keep a gratitude journal. Mm. Uh, and, and every day they have to write two things, two entries in that journal. One is something they're thankful for that for that day, which is very easy to do usually, uh, as long as you, you know have a little bit of a positive mindset. Yeah. But the second thing is write one thing that you're grateful for your spouse. Yeah. 
that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, when they first come to us, someone like they, they can't see anything redeeming in each other. And they, they've forgotten, you know, all the things that they used to be grateful for. Yeah. So sometimes we have to say, well, go back to your courtship days and write something down that you're grateful for. In other words, you know, you develop that, that, that the way of looking at your spouse, not through the, the, the lenses of hurt, you know, and this, you know, this monster that's, that I'm now living with, uh, but instead, <laughs> someone that I can be thankful for. You know, there are some good things about this person. And, and, and when you keep on reinforcing that mm-hmm. over and over again, and then when you start forgiving each other, you know, for, you know, there, there may have been indiscretions, you know, in the past, they may probably didn't treat each other. There were some cutting words spoken and so on. Uh, but when they start forgiving each other, then all of a sudden, uh, so I think the word slogan used was very uh, powerful. The barriers, mm-hmm. you know, fall down. And so now you begin to see each other and you learn to be vulnerable with each other. Because quite often, the reason why people look outside of their relationship, because they find somebody else that they can be vulnerable with. Somebody else that will listen to mm-hmm. them, you know, where they feel like, I'm not being judged. Whereas if I tell my spouse this, like they'll be all over me, mm. you know? And, and so we change that, we shift the atmosphere in the marriage and, and get them to that point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing too, uh, Lise, is, um, you know, we tell them the commitment that they made to each other, you know, in the presence of God, in, you know, on the wedding day, uh, we, we get them back to focus on that. We, we've had uh, a few couples that came, where, you know, there was a, you know, um, they they were liking somebody outside the marriage. So we have to tell them, you know, you chose your partner and, you know, you, uh, and also, you know, you have children, you're bringing up children. If there are children involved, you're not setting a good example if you're, you know, going to break up and you you have to think of it long-term. So we always bring back um, the the commitment they made with each other in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. you know, so for better or for worse, yeah. For richer or poor, yeah. So those so kind of things, we, we remind them. Mm-hmm. I love it. So it's like that success principle, make a decision, then make that the right decision. Exactly. Um, and then for the person that is looking outside the marriage to work on gratitude and vulnerability with their partner, yeah. and for the person that has seen their partner go outside the marriage, work on um, forgiveness and creating more of an environment of less judgment so the person can share their vulnerability with them. Mm-hmm. Is that the correct sort of... Yeah, very much so. I think uh, like another expression that we use is like marriage is not uh, as much about finding the right person, but about being the right person for the one you chose to be chose to marry. Mm-hmm. To. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so like, and, and we have unshakable belief that uh, like no matter how bad things are in a marriage, that there's always hope mm-hmm. uh, if you choose to accept the help that is available. You know, and of course, ours is just one process. You know, I know Elise, you do great work. You know, where when couples come to you, you know, like they just need to ask. Mm-hmm. And there are people like, you know, like yourself available. And many of us, you know, we come from very different perspectives, but ultimately, you know, we can offer them the help that they need. And so that's one of the things we tell couples, like, no matter how bad it looks to you, there is a way, you know, that, that somebody will help you. And you may have to maybe go through a bit of a process to get to that place. Yeah, but you know, you you will get there if you really want to. Yeah, and I think that's where what slowness that comes in is like like you you enter into this covenant, mm-hmm. and so like you need to take that covenant very seriously, and you must do everything in your power to make sure that the covenant remains unbreakable. Mm-hmm. You know, and if despite like all that you've tried, one person says, 
I, I can't invest anything more in this relationship anymore and walks out on you like you know like you, you have no choice mm-hmm. but to accept that decision mm-hmm. uh, but and one of the things that I found when I was pastoring is that every once in a while somebody would say you know I wish I hadn't given up that easily mm-hmm. you know I wish you know we had sought some more help because uh, in, now you know maybe they had a second marriage or another relationship and it's like Oh, you know, what I thought looked very rosy here, you know, <laughs> was not really, you know, all that great. You know, it's like the, the old joke about the reason the grass looks greener on the other side is maybe because it's AstroTurf. And so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a great one. I, I have a friend who, um, she, her second husband is onto his third marriage. And he, mm. has, he has now said to her, you know what, I kept looking for the next thing and then the next thing. He's like, I'm now in my third marriage and it's the same. It's all, it's the same <laughs> every time. And now I realize, well, I just have to accept it and make it work. And he's like, and I, that could have so easily been you um, had yeah. I decided with you. I kept thinking there was going to be something better. And there's this great book called um, Getting the Love You Want and it talks about how what we don't heal in our current relationship, we will create in the next yes. one. There is no escape. There is no version without this, that the learning is in every relationship. And so don't leave a a relationship thinking that you'll get something unless you actually do some work on on the the part of brought that into into existence. Yeah, sometimes, you know, like when you give people a reality check, you say, okay, um, if you're you're not sure what went wrong in every one of those marriages, look in the mirror. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah the common denominator in all three marriages breaking up was you yeah. <laughs> so if, if you are going to be the same person yeah and you exactly. expect you know like just because you find a different partner that things are going to be different well they will be in the courtship period and maybe maybe the first few weeks of marriage uh, but then the real you is going to come out mm. and and so like even like I, like sometimes i get connected with people who are you know in, in the process of breaking up you know, and, and they, they don't see any hope. And quite often the men, you know, would approach me. And so one of the things I tell them is like, guy, you need to get healed. Mm. Whether this marriage works out or not. Now, of course, you know, like we have actually seen that happen where uh, a man, you know, that I worked with, you know, has really, you know, gotten the healing that he needs. And all of a sudden his wife wants to come back and he has no idea why. Mm, I see that with clients we do something inside them and then their ex just pops back up (laughs) (laughs) but I I also tell them just just in case like but that's not you know if that doesn't happen Mm. at least you know if if, if she chooses not to come back and you know the divorce goes through and so on you are a different person Mm. you know going into another relationship you know and so you are going to attract somebody very different Mm. what you had before and you will also look for something different yeah. in the person so like changing yourself personally uh you know is is, is never a bad thing to do yeah 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 oh i but love that's it the only, that's the only thing you can do you yeah, know exactly you, you can change, change the other person yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Change the in your power is is who mm-hmm. you has. yeah yeah so how can people work with you how can they um find out more about the work that you're doing and, and get connected with you okay well, uh, they can just go to our website, which is thesams.ca. So we are the Sams from Canada. Uh, so it's thesams.ca. Uh, and and when they go there, we actually offer some freebies. Uh, we also offer a, a, a calendar uh, where they can book an appointment. We offer a free consultation. 
uh, with with any couple that wants to just meet with us, you know, share what's going on, and and then you know we can do a deep dive and tell them what they need to do. And if they choose to work with us, then we can tell them what their commitment is going to be all about. Uh, another easy way for people to find out what we're doing is actually to get a copy of our book uh, that we published in in August. It's called The Unbreakable Marriage. Um, you know, by Jeevan Slojana Sam. If you see Sam, then you'll know it's our book. <laughs> Um, and it's available on Amazon all over the world, you know, because I know that people in Australia have actually gotten copies of it. And there's even a review that somebody from Australia wrote for our book on Amazon. And so, so the book in the book, we pretty well like lay it all out exactly the process that we follow. And so people have a good idea if they decide to work with us, what they can expect. Um, and, and as you know, like there's a lot of great books out there. But uh, not everybody's able to stick to what is in the book. They need some help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they need somebody to hold their hand, keep them accountable. Uh, and that's that's one of the hallmarks of our mentorship that makes it work, is we keep them like very accountable. We hold their feet to the fire. And we offer a money-back guarantee that if you do everything we tell you and you, you maintain that accountability and you don't get the results, we'll be glad to refund what you invested. Wow, incredible. It sounds like, I mean, you've got incredible wisdom. It's embodied. You both have this glow about you. Like you can, it's almost like you can feel that you're both well-loved. It's like you can feel that there is love in your life. It just, you both kind of beam on the screen. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, you can see that it's embodied knowledge. Like you can see that this is, you, you walk your talk and I mean, what, 39 years of marriage, three children that are, um happily having great lives and in their marriages it's incredible you've really kind of gone at life and figured stuff out and made it work and now sharing it with others so yeah I, I just think it's incredible and I'm super grateful that you've come onto the podcast and you've shared the insights um there's some real gold in here some real wisdom and I think fascinating for to me my digest is that arranged marriage is really not all that different <laughs> to to a, to friends introducing friends you know mm -hmm. um, and actually exactly. a type of specialist that came on here he recommended his process was um get a great network and then get your network to introduce people because that's the best way yeah. to he's like otherwise someone's a complete stranger the best thing is to get you know testimonials almost <laughs> of someone that's known the person for 20 years multiple yeah. people have known that and that's yeah. kind of what an arranged marriage offers is is people <laughs> really know who yeah. the person is, their history, their background, their family. Um, mm. So there's, they can't really deceive you. Everyone really knows who they are. Uh, mm. And so, yeah, I think, I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in it. And I think it's, it's kind of good to break the, um, to break the, I don't know, perception of, of, you know, oh, arranged marriage. People are like, that is so different. And when you pack into it, it's really not all that different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, everyone is kind of still coming upon love in the same way. Are they meeting? Is there a connection? And then are they committing and making it work? Mm. Um, so thank you. Is there any final words that you want to share on relationships before we say goodbye? I, I As you were talking about uh, arranged uh, marriages, I, one thing I was going to, you know, kind of uh, point out also um, that the parents getting involved. Now, uh, you know, here uh, it doesn't have to be the parents. You know, maybe get um, somebody, you know, uh, who have been married longer, uh, somebody elder, you know, um, ask your opinion, you know, to, uh, if you're, uh, you know, serious about uh, marrying somebody, 
you know, uh, would this be a good match? You know, you you know us, you know, like you said, in within that network, um, you know, check with them and, you know, ask ask for people's opinion, right? Yeah. Um, we, because uh, sometimes uh, those who are married longer, they, they see things in a, you know, a d different perspective, um, just like our parents did. So I think that it's good to have that input also. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I just yeah, in the context of a church, quite often we tell because a lot of the exactly. couples we work with are, are Christians or the communities we deal with, and we say, Ask your pastor mm -hmm. because if mm -hmm. you've been part of a church for a while, uh, you know, the, the spiritual leader of your community knows you as well as anybody else, and and they can spot things like because we all have blind spots, and and when love is blind, mm -hmm. then you ignore the blind spots and and you, you're overlooking when you should be looking over. And so, so somebody else can pick that up, you know, then, and, and you can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really the, the a, a parting word is uh, like every marriage can be unbreakable if you choose yeah. to make it that way. Yeah. And if both uh, partners are willing to work at it, then it can be done. It can be done. You know, both, both people put their heart into it and the effort into it. Um, the marriages can be, you know, any challenges can be overcome and yeah, it will be unbreakable. I love that. And I think, and even if the other person isn't working on it, working on yourself is only going to make you a match for something better in the future Like you can only benefit. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the people are like, why should I, they're not working on it. It's yeah. like, if you want to work on it for you, for what you're going to, for the skill set you're going to be able to bring, that's going to create better love down the track. Um, if the other person is refusing to come yes. to the work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. Uh, I've, really really grateful um thank you so much for sharing the wisdom being on the podcast today oh, thank you for welcome. the it's opportunity absolute yeah. delight to uh, mm -hmm. talk to you you've been a good <laughs> conversationalist yeah <laughs> getting yeah. us going so thank you thank you for the opportunity yes yeah i'm so thrilled with that conversation that we just had there i hope you had a great time listening along if you're ever listening and you have questions feel free to email me at hello at elisepeck.com if there's things that you wished i asked the guests more or there's just questions that you have on love that you wish i would pick into people's brains about as you're listening along feel free to let me know send your questions to hello at elisepeck.com uh, i've popped in the links to the website for um, the sams the sams.ca in canada um, and also mentioned the name of the book, The Unbreakable Marriage. So please go and connect with them and share and let anyone that, that is having a hard time or facing breakdown in their relationship or marriage um, know about the incredible work that they're doing. Um, if you know someone with an incredible love story, please encourage them to head to my website, elisepeck.com. Go to book now and get them to book in a podcast interview so that we can also capture their story so that we can open up our hearts and understand more and more about love and get to see it in all its shades and complexities and move from really binary, black and white, rigid thinking on love to opening up our hearts and minds to all kinds of love and to just the energy of love and hearing people's stories of how they have come to have the experience of having the love that they want. So I'd love to capture the story on my podcast. Um, and that can be done. Elisepeck.com, go to book now. If you would like to take your love life to the next level, in particular, if you're feeling like you just can't get the love that you want, that you just can't, you're like you've got a real itch that needs to be scratched, you're having a hard time feeling like you can receive 
the love. You've got so much love to give, but like, where is the love for you? And you really want to feel like you can start receiving the love that you want. Um, I encourage you to book in a free one-on-one strategy call with me. I help people to get the love that they want. I'm more, my zone of genius is more on the attracting in end of things. I help people to attract in. And of course, some people do then stick around with me for a long time and I help them keep the love and then build something deep. I mean, I'm 16 years into uh, my own love story, my own marriage. So uh, definitely there is, and I've worked with a lot of people and, and done a lot of study, et cetera, studied social, social psychology. So I do also know how to help people navigate that stage of a relationship but my real main focus zone of genius is on helping people to actually attract in the love that they want interestingly it's a very similar process if you start to lose the love in your marriage as well all of it comes back to essentially your own personal alignment your own you know who you're being and showing up as for yourself and in life uh, but anyway, if you would like to take your love life to the next level, uh, please feel free to come and book in a one-on-one love uh, strategy call with me. That's on my website, elisepeck.com. All right. I look forward to connecting with you on another episode of Love with Elise Peck very soon. Bye for now.